For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening and welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with F.L. Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, uh, I'm excited to talk about PR. It's what I do during the day when I'm not here at CJAD. It is you. It's a it's a confrère. We won't call it a competitor. We'll call it confrère. You guys can share uh, lots of stories and opinions, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a great story. Yeah, Priya Chopra will join us from One Milk, Two Sugars PR, and she'll be along in the next segment. Uh, but first, let's chat about some entrepreneurial news of the week and um, it seems like Montreal is becoming all of a sudden kind of a luxury destination. We had a big announcement today uh, from Carbon Leo, a $250 million project to bring the Four Seasons Hotel uh, to De La Montagne Street uh, right next to Ogilvy's at the same time Saks uh, which is uh, has expanded into Canada. There's a couple in Toronto. I, I, I noticed that recently. They are now going to open in downtown Montreal, and both of those projects are uh, set to be completed in 2018. They are. Listen, Saks is is, is going to be part of that, you know, Hudson Bay uh, conglomerate, and they're they're going to take space in in that building as they they renovate it and they I guess reinvent that part of it. Uh, it it's an interesting concept. Uh, I think you know people out there think that Montreal is some type of untapped market. I don't know if I believe it necessarily. I, I mean, I don't know how many people are actually spending big dollars. I know we do get, you know, the the tourism that P, that the city is banking on. Uh, certainly, they're they're trying to fix the roads, so that's a little bit better. The, they're they're going to improve areas like St. Catherine Street after they put a bubble over it for a little amount of time. Uh, I think it's also a question of if you look elsewhere in Canada, North America, Montreal is a relatively cheap real estate market. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a cheap market, but if you compare it to a number of other places around North America or, or even in various parts of the globe, Montreal, there's a lot of people that still consider Montreal a great place to invest because it really can just go up. You know, there's the the threat of the threat of threat of separation really isn't looming anymore. Uh, there's no real, you know, the instability. You know, you have little things here and there, but nothing major. So I believe that the, that there's a lot of people, a lot of people in real estate development, that do believe Montreal is still undervalued. Is so it, your money can take you further here than it will in Toronto, of course. I think so. I, I think the, the the unknown and what what I'm a little skeptical on is how quickly will that growth come? You know, great, you, you build something for twenty million, two hundred and fifty million, whatever it is. What is the return on that? How you know how is it going to be fed? Are, are there are there multiples that will that will survive it? Are there, you just don't know because the Montreal community and the Montreal tourism, you never know what's going to happen with it. Hmm. When you look at sort of the changing face of downtown, uh, there are a lot of a lot of skyscrapers going up, and it looks, especially along Rennes Levesque, it looks more downtowny than it than it has in my lifetime. Do you think there's a renewed sense uh, for 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 especially larger corporations to perhaps um, start building in downtown Montreal? I'm not so sure that we're going to see a surge of headquarters coming back to Montreal from where they left to Toronto. There's there's no question. You you speak with uh, 95% of the people, and while they might not like Toronto as a city. It is the land of opportunity as as compared to other places. Now, it depends what business you're in, uh, you know, where you have to conduct your business. And, you know, if, if you're successful, you can be successful anywhere. But, I'm, you know, you look at all these skyscrapers, all these buildings, and you kind of wonder, well, who's filling them? You know, yes, they talk about people uh, coming into the urban areas. They're, they're, 
that there's a, an influx of people, whether it's from immigrants like extern out of the country or whether it's just suburbanites that, that, that are moving towards town, you know, empty nesters or what have you. But you look at all these condo buildings and there's, I don't know how full they are of, of, of people actually occupying them. And I wonder what rules might come in the future. Uh, of forcing people, if they're going to buy, to actually live in them or rent them or or have some kind of uh, of a of close attachment and use uh, throughout that. Not so sure that's going to happen, but uh, some people may kick it around. Over in uh, the tech sector, we talk a lot about uh, huge data loss cases, and Yahoo had one: five hundred million user accounts uh, stolen by hackers. I closed down my Yahoo chat uh, account when I was about fourteen, but for a lot of people, this is pretty problematic. No, and uh, this is kind of our, this is our twiddle notes for the week, or this week in data loss. Uh, this is uh, definitely, you know, uh, of all the ones that we've spoken about in the past, Dan, this is this is absolutely huge, and it just goes to show you re- really two things: one. Nothing is safe. So, mm-hmm. you know, take what you can to that. You know, take it with a grain of salt and protect where you can. But the other thing is, uh, on, on two aspects, on the consumer front, you know, we all joke about using the same password for everything. Don't. Just don't. And I'm, I, I might be as guilty as the next or I used to be, but just don't. The flip side of that coin is people, consumers, are increasingly weary of the sites they go to and the information they the, the, that they enter into it to see what's safe or not. So this is a definite opportunity for some entrepreneurs to come in and really soup, you know, soup up their their uh, their their encryption or what have you. Uh, this is this is an opportunity for the people that already do it to really get out there and and make sure that it's visible to everybody. Uh, it, it's just it's kind of a buyer beware, watch out when you enter information. Protect yourself as much as you can, but I don't know. There's there's a limit to how much you can protect yourself. There's a program called FreshBooks, very popular, uh, especially among startups uh, in in Canada. They are Canadian based, and uh, it's a it's software, it's accounting software basically, and it helps you run your business. They did something pretty bold. Well, this, this is this is a story of you can never sit on your laurels. You can never just wait. You must always reinvent yourself. You must always stay with the times, uh, and certainly as a as a technology company yes it's an it's they do accounting it's accounting software but it's a technology company you better stay up with the times you better make sure not only from a user interface you know that that it's look but the back end has got to work out things change you know uh, transactions change throughout time there's more e-commerce there's more payment processors uh, there there's more uh, recognition software whether it's invoice recognition or paper recognition and if you don't keep up with the times and you don't change and and move with it you're going to be left in the dust, uh, certainly in that sector. And FreshBooks, that that Canadian gem, you know, that's not RIM, uh, is it, it took it upon itself and say, hey, you know what? 18 months ago, or, or or not too long ago, they said we better start changing. We better start getting uh, ahead of the game instead of starting to to be behind the game. So kudos to them. But it's a question of reinventing yourself, and it's a question of being ahead of the curve. Have that vision. Entrepreneurs, you know, the right entrepreneurs, successful ones, have the vision. And that's uh, this, I, I kudos to FreshBooks to realize that things do change, certainly the technology sector, that's an obvious point. But to actually recognize, do it, change it, and bring in, you know, dozens and dozens of programmers to change it before before it's even out there. I think it was released, uh, the new version was released not too long ago, several months ago. And... The report is that 90% of the, you had the option to go back to the classic version or not. 90% chose to keep the current one because it was 
excuse the pun, fresh. Hmm. Uh, so uh, kudos to them. Latest trend in HR, criminal background checks. This is, you know, you come back to due diligence. We've spoken a little bit due diligence in the past. Uh, you know, and it's not just for mergers and acquisitions, but it's also about who are you in business with? Who are you in bed with, so to speak? Who are you going to let into your house and, and be responsible for your dollars and your customers? There's, there's an, there's a, and the, certainly the banks, the banks have gone compliance nuts, uh, partly because they, they hate bad PR. So they better make sure that they're transacting with the right people because the wrong people will just shut them down. Uh, and we've seen that with several banks in the past, but this is becoming an increasingly active business that is, well, let me put it this way. We were talking about information that, you know, that you enter on the, on the web, that, you know, all of this online information. Well, the reality is there's trillions and trillions and trillions of bits of information that are all about you. And all it takes is for the right software and program to search the net and find the background. If it's becoming that much simpler to do, then why not do the background check and make sure that's all right? Why not check and make sure the person that you're going into business with is really legitimate? Because you never know. You never know. Today's never Entrepreneur know. on CJ 8800, we're going to talk uh, about uh, the business of public relations with Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars coming up next on the show. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L. Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you on today's Entrepreneur. And our guest this evening is Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars PR. Priya, welcome to today's Entrepreneur. Thank you. So first question is the easiest. Tell us about One Milk, Two Sugars. One Milk, Two Sugars is a boutique PR and social media agency with offices in Montreal and Toronto, and we cater to all sorts of lifestyle brands. Now, why lifestyles? Why did you choose that? I mean, there there's so many products out there. Uh, why choose that? Well, I think you got to be passionate about what you're doing. So I've always had a passion and interest in fashion and beauty, even from a young age. Uh, I did my master's as well in fashion management. So it was just out of pure passion. Now, when you were starting out, how, it started how long ago? 12 years now. 12 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, it, but it wasn't Montreal, Toronto all the way back then. It was just one location? Yeah, a little, little shop here uh, in Montreal on St. Catherine Street. We opened, I think we were about 500 square feet, not even, a small little space. Before that, we started out of our homes. So, you know, that was the next step. What were you doing before then? Like, what was the, the jump in or the leading to this? Why did you want to get into this business specifically? Uh, I was unemployed at the time, so it was a good time as any. I had just come back from doing my master's. I had worked previously in corporate uh, for a few years, and I figured, you know, now's the time. I always felt that calling to start a business. I had explored several entrepreneurial type of things before, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Now, one milk, two sugars. Where, where does that come from? Well, the philosophy behind the name is sort of, you know, the way you take your coffee is so intricate or your tea, what have you. Uh, so it's not cookie cutter. It's really tailored and customized programs that we uh, present to our clients. So it's sort of that philosophy, how you take your coffee. So basically catered to uh, and, you know, 
it is case by case. Case by case, exactly. You know, people often a- ask me what is public relations. Uh, what's your answer to that question? Because not everyone really knows. Yeah, it's it's such a, it's such a good point. Um, it's sort of the first thing I always ask. Even clients that knock on our door sometimes don't really know what it is exactly because we're we're behind the scenes. We're between uh, the journalist uh, and brands. So uh, really conveying messages, uh, key messages to media about brands on on the brand's behalf. Um, so communicating for them, uh, guiding stories, um, partnerships with journalists, basically. And then, you know, we also have social media. So now that that's kind of getting into the mix, that's another facet of the business. But on the PR side, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. You you didn't, when you started this out, were you on your own? You Speaking of partnership, uh, mm-hmm. you think you started out with a few people, correct? Yeah, we did. Uh, one Milk and Two Sugars was also uh, a milk, which was my brother. And then Two Sugars were the ladies. So it was me and my best friend. So it was sort of like a family operation, if you will, when we started. Excellent. And then eventually that went on to just become your own over a period of time? We all have our own businesses successfully now. We split in 2009, which was sort of the uh, recession period. So it was, you know, not the best of times, but um, everyone went their own way. And I took my specialty, which was uh, public relations. Did you find it was uh, maybe not easier, maybe just call it different, to be on your own and exercise your own vision versus working with partners? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, it depends on the individual. For me, it works. Um, it works really well because I'm really motivated every day. I'm consistent every day. Um, so I felt for by myself, I could channel my own energy, my own pace of work and, you know, go for it. Did you feel that you were that you had a good ramp up speed when you when you kind of took this business on your own? Or did you feel you had to kind of reinvent, especially after the, the recession? Yeah, I think you're constantly reinventing with the times, uh, be it internally or externally, you know, with what's happening externally. But internally at the time, yeah, I think I had to restructure. I had to reinvent, reposition. We rebranded, created a you know, new logo, new website, uh, new offer, really saying no to certain services and just yes to really your core offer. So that was a big learning. You didn't have to say yes to everything that comes, you know, knocking through the door and really being true to what you do best. Uh, that was a key learning. Um, but I think there was a lot of remodeling and reinventing that had to happen at that time so and and certainly as a PR company and, and and events and all that marketing you know do you practice what you preach so when we come back after the break we'll kind of talk about what marketing works for you one milk two sugars sure. then and now more with Priya Chopra of one milk two sugars on today's entrepreneur on CJ 800 after the break For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Joining us tonight is Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars PR. Um, here's a question uh, that is uh, that I might be taking notes on. Um, PR is super stressful. How do you sort of convey to your team and to your organization that everything's un- and to the client, that everything's under control and nothing to panic about? Yeah, it is. It's a always on kind of job, even with social media, it's always on kind of job. And I think when you are also sort of in the middle of something, because with PR, as you know, you don't really have control on the final output. Uh, you do your best, you guide the message, what the journalist wishes to write about, they write about or wishes to talk about, they talk about. Um, so, you know, thankfully, we haven't had any botched jobs in that way. Uh, but it is stressful, because sometimes the expectations need to be aligned with the client. So there's a lot of expectation management, which is something that um, 
is a big thing I preach with the team. And I say that you have to manage expectations. And it's something that comes with time. It's difficult at first because you want to say yes, yes, yes all the time to please your client. Um, but I think managing those expectations and being completely transparent and honest is uh, the way you got to go. Communication, you have no choice. And mm-hmm. of course, stressful. I mean, you know, everybody tries to balance life, whatever mm-hmm. that means. And, and you kind of went through this raising a few children just a few how was that how how was that like you know when you first started when you first took over on your own uh what was that like as a as a I believe you were a young mother at the time yeah well I think I'm still a young mother I hope (laughs) um younger 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 of course uh no I think it was an amazing uh way to actually help me grow my business and contrary to what women think when they have kids that they're not able to grow a business but for me it was like a matter of delegation so by having children I just simply did not have the time that I had before and I had to build the team I had to delegate I had to put you know measures in place so um I think that taught me a lot taught me a lot in a positive way did you ever have them in tow? Do you ever take them to client meetings? Oh yeah. Did you... oh, yeah. oh, yeah. My mom used to Did ask. that work for you? It did. And people are surprisingly, honestly, it's it's really wonderful. Really a lot of positive reception about mothers and motherhood. And uh, I see it within my agency and, you know, the clients we work with. Um, and it's it's really nice to see that. Sometimes surprising, too. But, no, my kids came with me everywhere. When I opened my Toronto office, I had my son in tow. Um, you know, my mom would on the daily say, so where did the kids go today? Or where did you take Kian today or Jaya today? So, you know, it was uh, always something, always something. And, and I guess being in the lifestyles business, the fact that you're a female entrepreneur really doesn't uh, doesn't hurt. You know, it's not in that, that call it man's world. You run your own business. It's true. And... Yeah, it's true. I haven't felt it that much. Maybe it's, you know, by virtue of what industry I'm in, but I never think of being a woman in business. I'm just in business. Now, what about competition? Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you look at your competitors and what they're mm-hmm. doing? Uh, how much do you keep tabs on them? Well, it's funny because I find as you grow, uh, well, when you know you're growing is when you start to notice competition for the first time. It's it's kind of, you know, blasé to say that, but I was really in my own little bubble before. And then all of a sudden when you're sort of growing and, you know, coming, you know, to get exposed and just hearing about other brands and brands hearing about you and your com- competitors, I sort of know who my main competitors are more and more. And I keep it in my mind, but I don't let it, you know, I, I look forward. I don't look left and right too much, but yes, I am aware of who they are. And I think that uh, I came to be more so as I was growing. And like to the point where, I mean, I know you don't look left and right, you don't, but you Mm -hmm. you kind of, I mean, it's a creative business. So you kind of want to see what else is out there Mm -hmm. uh, in the marketplace. So I I suspect, uh, and Dan, you probably too kind of look out there and see what's happening in the marketplace. Is it tough to, to keep up or to have that that you know, it's it's a inundation of information full time. How do you manage that? It is. I mean, I think you take take it with a grain of salt for sure. You know, when you're really competitive as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are generally pretty competitive people. So when they see you know somebody in their competitive milieu doing good or having done something, you know, you might want to grind your teeth and wish you had the time or the means or wish you had done that first for sure. Um, but you know, you got to pat yourself on the back with the good things you're doing as well. So and commend the team that you have in place that's also doing a great job for you. No, and it, there's no question having the right team surround you, uh, totally. especially as you, you know you're you're balancing the you know the entrepreneur, you're balancing mm-hmm. life, the kids, uh, customers, all that. It's it's huge, and, and I'm sure to build a team. How many people are you today? Uh, a little less than fifteen. So there's there there's no question there's a there's a ramp up and understanding, and you're dealing with humans, so you gotta yes. you gotta kind of have that understanding. From a marketing aspect, what was the first thing you did? right out of the gate to try and bring in those first customers. 
cold calls <laughs> by virtue. That was like the biggest character building uh, experience. I think when you're starting a business that's new, it's not something your parents have passed down to you. It's something that, you know, you're building. So it really takes a, a lot of grit. You know, I did a lot of cold calling for sure was the only measure and, you know, the way that I could have done things back in the day, uh, getting people to listen to you and, you know, saying that you had a good service to offer them. So, you know, try, test, and intrude. But now, thankfully, calls come in. So that's that's the biggest reward. And I think that's great. So from a marketing aspect, you know, you're going to you practice what you preach and we'll 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 hear more about what you've been doing that's been successful for One Milk and Two Sugars on the marketing front, human resource front, etc. when we come back. More with Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars here on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with F.L. Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And this evening, our guest is Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars PR. And uh, talking a little bit about marketing now, Priya, and this is obviously a challenge that, that I've, uh, I've faced and I'm still, still facing. How do you market a marketing company? <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, I was I was thinking earlier of that expression, cordonnier mal chaussé. So it's something that, you know, you offer these services, but you don't often think to promote yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so you don't really practice what you preach. But lately, I have been. Um, we have someone on staff that actually does PR for the agency. We have somebody who's actually contracted to do all of our social media. So I'm starting to really invest in these services. It's harder when you're offering such a niche service to a niche target. Um, so mass advertising just doesn't work. Um, so I'm really clear on what I'm looking for. And we do targeted uh, types of you know events, speeches, uh, conferences, interviews such as this. So, um, yeah, it's like a needle in a haystack. You know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to get your target. Is it important or have you started to measure what you... What you, what you kind of put out there, measure your marketing campaigns? That's the next step. I think measurement, again, you know, I just started to invest in our own marketing campaigns, but we're always measuring for our clients because it's all about quantifying and, and delivering ROI. So I think, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you kind of know what works and what doesn't. Measurement, got to work on it. Now, speaking of measurement, you know, you're getting to this business. It's very creative. Uh, you got the, the, the creative side behind you, mm -hmm. but you also have to run your business. You have to, you have to know yes. your numbers. You have yes. to understand them. Yes. Uh, did it take you long to kind of ramp up and understand the kind of the, the business and the numbers side behind your operations? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I'm so in that right now. I'm in that mode. And, you know, often when people, you know, say, hey, Priya, I need you to run this PR campaign for me. And I said, OK, that's great. I'm going to introduce you to an account manager that will run it because I'm simply not the person that's doing that anymore. I'm on the back end. Um, so I sort of say I'm doing all the boring things right now, which is, you know, looking at balance sheet, profit and loss statements, trying to understand my numbers, understand all of that, uh, the financials, maybe HR operations. Was, uh, was there a kind of tipping point? that said, you know what, you better concentrate more on the business and a little bit less on, not that you don't move away from the customers, but maybe a little bit more focus and delegate those those other matters? Yeah, I think when you start to really invest in your business and you're really heavy into that, you're really in growth mode and you're putting in capital, you know, you're really curious to see what the return is, as you were just saying. So I think that at that point, you know, I would say in the last few years, I'm much more uh, in tune 
with that aspect of the business. And speaking of, uh, of numbers, you know, when you're, you're starting out versus today, there's a pricing aspect that comes in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an intangible because, you know, you're, you're of selling kind of an image, a, a brand to your customers. How do you price it or how did you price it then? Is sure. it different today? Yeah, I find it's it's really the million dollar question because it is comes down to it. It can you know make you win or lose an account. Um, the pricing model based on your competitors, based on what your offer is, offering too little, too not enough. So it's always that question in your mind. I think I have a pretty you know good sense of the brackets in which we're operating right now because it's you know I think that helps to put yourself into tiers and different offers, uh, service offers, if you will. Um, but it's it's difficult, and especially with services being intangible and offering services to multiple clients um you know it's it's a difficult matrix and of course then there's because you're not just montreal you're in toronto as well yes also two very different markets oh yes does that mean the the pricing i guess is also in two different markets you would think i mean there's something that the market can sustain within the industry um but i think for sure uh toronto and montreal costing is very different i mean even with regard to hr even with regard to real estate i mean it's a completely new learning for me and i you know just blown away by the differences between the two cities when did you open up toronto the toronto office when my second baby was about six months old so it's been four years four years now and what was the the biggest learning curve if you will was it cost? Was it? Uh, well, managing the business remotely because I'm here. I live here, but I have a fully running office, you know, in Toronto. So I think that that trust, um, you know, having the right people in place, you know, not calling every day at nine o'clock, you know, you know, checking if they're in the office. I mean, you have to put your trust in people. So um, that was that was a big step for me, is, you know, managing that remote. Did you have? Did you have find yourself creating? maybe some more formal processes that people report to you on a periodic basis with, with certain aspects versus just kind of walking into your Montreal office and seeing and talking? Of course. That's when all these measures come into place because, you know, you're trying to manage also inter-office uh, communication. So between the two teams, um, networks, uh, you know, um, conference, all of these type of communication because they are working on projects together. So um, that really helped, I guess, you know, propel the business forward in a different way as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big learning as well. You, we were talking talking marketing before, and, you know, you, know you, you can't be all things to all people. But when you're marketing to Montreal customer base or a Toronto customer base, there's two definitely distinct cultures between the two communities. Mm -hmm. Do you have to distinguish yourself between them or do you find some happy medium that really kind of one size fits all? Well, most of our brands are national, um, but I find still, you know, based on where the customer is, the culture is different. Um, there's a different work culture. I mean, with PR, too, it doesn't always shut off at 5 o'clock, and in Toronto, it might shut off closer to 8 o'clock. I mean, you know, it's it's really different in terms of the work culture um, and the type of client base. So it, it hasn't really been too, too different for the most part, but I would say that uh, for me, it's been more about the staffing, you know, and the talent pool. The talent pool is very different in the two cities. Big edge to have a foot in the in each solitude, so to speak, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to understand both both markets. Both markets, yeah. It's yeah. been an amazing learning. Now, for, like you say, it's it's building a team around you. Was it difficult to find people in Toronto? I mean, it's it's a quite a competitive 
market, no question about it. It is. It is difficult. I think the sourcing of talent is key in a service business. I mean, it's been one of the biggest um, challenges, one of the biggest learnings, especially when you're delegating and, you know, when you have managers in place. So finding the right people is critical. So, you know, now I have taken the aid of also staffing agencies. I find there's a lot of benefit to that, also time-wise, um, and having their counsel. So I've uh, been counting on that service. What do you look for when you're hire? You look for, is it really, is it they need to know the business? They need to have the right character or attitude? What do you look for when you're hiring? It's funny, when I was recruited, you know, a long time ago when I was working corporate, uh, the HR person said to me, you know, we hire within the, t- you know, two minutes of you walking into the room. And to be honest, it's, it's, it's so true. For me as well, it's something about the vibe. It's something about the instinctually, you know, if someone's the right fit with the culture, it's why we get hired by clients. Ultimately, it's the fit is there. So I think the fit has to be there. And of course, there's certain top line things that you have to check off the list. It has to be there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the room anyway. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think that the where we say oh you know is that person a sugar because we're called the sugars Mm -hmm. so is that person a sugar so that's sort of the question versus you and i dan we're the milk (laughs) (laughs) apparently (laughs) now now montreal toronto as we said the, the customers have different cultures but you know the people are different cultures is it difficult to maintain one culture between the two offices like a corporate corporate culture the people sure well i think that's when the president has to sort of you know intervene and kind of demonstrate the type of culture that the company has to have with each other and the type of work environment that has to be conveyed between the two offices. So I think that if ever there is that tension, which it can happen, um, just work style being different or in, you know, responsibilities being different, I think that what prevails is really, you know, the president's message to uh, to their staff on, on how they should be treating people. What's your what's your best message for an entrepreneur with a PR emergency? How, how do you how do you make someone just sort of take a step back and, and not make a rash decision? You mean a, a client or somebody a who's client, in PR? Yeah. Uh, sleep on it. I think that <laughs> this urgency to respond to emails in today's culture is, is it's, uh, it, it's terrible. <laughs> you know what I say to my staff, especially the junior ones, they have this urgency to respond. And I'm always like, you don't need to rush and respond. You know, you can take some time to think about things. So I think that that's important. I think to take a step back, you know, to put yourself maybe in, you know, someone else's shoes, but also just to think about it. And for me, anytime I have a difficult decision, when someone calls me, because in business, you know, you're faced with all kinds of things that come up and you might not know the answer. Every time I just sleep on it, I say, I'll get back to you. Give me five minutes, give me 10 minutes, give me an hour. I find the answer. And it's managing clients' expectations. It's mm-hmm. their crisis, but you mm-hmm. also have to manage, you know, all the of all course. the feelings and thoughts around. You have to think about it, yeah. More with uh, Priya Chopra in a little bit. We'll have her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Plus, next, we'll be joined by Michelin Mayette, HR consultant at Fuller Landau, uh, talking about brand management and how to uh, get your employees on board. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L. Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. We'll have Priya Chopra, uh, One Milk, Two Sugars, uh, in just a second. She's going to give out her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur uh, that's on the way. Uh, But first, Micheline Mayette joins us, HR consultant with Fuller Landau. Uh, Welcome back, Micheline. Hi, Dan. <laughs> and so we're going to talk a bit about uh, em- employee branding. Uh, Josh, we talk a lot about branding on the outside, but it's important that people sort of 
project a certain image and uh, and convey a message to their employees so they can be good brand ambassadors. Well, and we were talking about that before. I mean, especially when you have different locations, Montreal, Toronto, and it touches on culture a little bit. But even before they walk into the door and as they're getting started, it's okay, what does the brand mean? What should it mean to the employee? How do I portray that? And how do I get them to eat it up so to speak for sure so really like if you talk about employer branding it's kind of a it's a relatively new concept i mean been around probably for a few decades now but uh it's something that more and more companies are giving some thought to so really right now i mean it could be a very competitive market especially in certain fields so companies want a way that they can stand out from the competition attract candidates to the company, but not just attract candidates, really attract the right type of candidates. So, you know, we talked a lot, like, you know, the conversation was a lot around the fit. You know, we talked about a sugar, you know, so what is a sugar? Like, don't, what is Don't somebody... say that because I, <laughs> yeah. I want to be, I keep, I'm classified as a milk a and I want to be a sugar. <laughs> okay, you're an honorary sugar. Oh. Honorary. <laughs> so it's really defining what is a sugar and how are you going to attract them to the company? So a lot, I mean, you can think of, I guess, the, you know, the website, what does the website say to potential candidates about your company? Um, so how do you want to promote yourself to all these potential candidates out in the market, you know, to make sure that they know that it's going to be a good fit for them and that's where they should be is, applying. Is it also about portraying how you kind of, how you conduct yourself as an employer or a team environment, you know, mm. are you open? Is it, you know, an open door policy? Is it, you know, can you, we have, uh, you know, weekly meetings or it just happens anytime where we're sharing experiences. Uh, you know, yeah, how, does, should, how does that fall into it? It should really reflect the core values of the organization. Now, so it tends to happen naturally to a certain extent. So maybe a company that's very creative will create an environment that fosters creativity naturally. But some companies need to give it a little bit more thought. So really, what do, how are we going to attract, like, what do we have to offer to potential candidates and how can we put ourselves out there as being a great employer for employees that are looking for something specific? So, for example, if we think we have a, you know great work-life balance and that's something that we have to offer, then how do we put that out there uh, to potential employees? So it could be through the benefits that we're, we're talking about on the website. Now, the key is really that it's cohesive with actual practices, which I think is one thing a lot of employers are are missing. They think that it's important for, you know, to promote work-life balance. But if that's not the reality in the company, then at the end of the day, you might attract employees to your company, but they're not going to stay after. That said, there's probably other benefits that you offer. So it's really focusing on the right thing to make sure that you're attracting people that are going to have a good long-term fit with the organization. No no bait and switch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you, when yeah. you first interview, Priya, for, for people in you, in, that you're going to hire, mm -hmm. do you, do you, how much do you talk about one milk, two sugars? How much do you kind of sell your environment? Well, to be honest, I actually ask them what they know about One Milk, Two Sugars. Because for me, I want to know what they, how invested are they in working for a small business? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're a small business. So, you know, I want to make sure I have the right talent and I have people who really want to be there. I might not mm -hmm. have all the bells and whistles of big companies. So the ones that actually know a lot about One Milk, Two Sugars are the ones that, you know, I'm drawn to. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. We'll have Priya Chopra's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Our guests this evening, Priya Chopra of One Milk, Two Sugars, and HR consultant uh, Micheline Mayette from FL. Josh, talking about uh, defining that brand internally, defining it for your employees, and having them act as uh, good ambassadors for your for your company. And it's one thing to you know to have the the, the words out there, you're sitting in front of them, but there you know it's even before they get there, it's visuals, it's them understanding, even to the point of you know what do you have online, what is your website, what is your social media. Uh, you know, Micheline, what, what do you see out there as maybe uh, an example that, that could depict what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at some key Montreal employer. The side I went for fun was like Ubisoft. You know, how are they promoting themselves? And when you go to the career section of the Ubisoft website, you know, it's very visual. There's a picture of two employees that are drawn on a wall, one dressed kind of, you know, normally, and the other one dressed a little bit eccentrically. And, you know, it's very little words basically just says... Um, you know, our heroes have different characters, just like our team. So you can tell right away they're looking for people who are creative, that, you know, are different. But if you're normal, too, that's OK. You know, so really all different types of characters. What is normal today? Yeah. <laughs> What's normal? Is a milk or a sugar normal? We just don't know. And then as you continue to go through their website, it's really, you know, I didn't see anywhere a list of all the benefits of working at Ubisoft. It was really focused on the team. So videos of the team talking about their experience and they talk all about like the Ubisoft experience. So they're really looking for people who want to be part of that team and part of that experience and mm-hmm. who for whom the benefits group insurance and all that type of thing is really secondary and exactly. i think people use social media you know whether it's a facebook or whatever to kind of show the environment that it's in i mean priya mm-hmm. with one milk two sugars uh, how do you find that that experience has been yeah i find it's been really interesting we have a you know a mix between content that we produce for one milk internally and every time we post about the internal culture or something behind the scenes or something from the office or like hot off the desk or what is it to be working at one milk or to be a pr professional or social media consultant in the industry those type of posts get the most engagement they're the most real they're the most connected the most you know human if you will um but yeah people always want to know and always can connect to that because at the end of the day we're working with people and it definitely displays culture culture of the firm i mean Mm -hmm. culture plays a huge role in in anything i mean you're talking about employer branding culture has got to be huge yeah, for sure. I mean, it's what gets people in the door. But then, you know, one place I find a lot of place, a lot of companies are lacking is, okay, you can get them in the door by offering them all kinds of, you know, goodies. But then even in the interview process, like is, are the people doing the interviews representing you the way that you want to be represented? Like, so if, for example, you really focus on creativity, does your, in, is your interview process creative, mm-hmm. you know, or is it just a standard Practice form that people, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I really think it has to go through all the phase, you know, the policies, the environment. So I think there just has to be, it has to be cohesive. And I, I think it's also, I think people can also see right through you. They mm-hmm. can tell if you're For not sure. genuine. They can tell yeah. whether it's from your social media posts, whether it's from your interview, whether it's from, I, I think today that everybody is so in tune with, with the environment and the, and the, what they what they can see is genuine versus not genuine that I, that I have no doubt plays mm-hmm. a huge role so you can't fake it and sell it mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think it's huge and, and very important certainly when you're hiring now as we come to our last moment of the show uh, as we do each week we'll turn to uh, Priya Chopra of One Milk Two Sugars and ask you Priya what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur I think the greater the risk the greater the reward so I think there's a lot of people out there that are thinking to start a business or maybe are in a business that need to make a big step and 
the risk taking is such a gamble. But at the end of the day, to be honest, it's always, you know, if you listen to your inner voice, that reward will be there, I assure you. So that would be my advice to anyone who's uh, struggling with that question. Listen to the little voice inside your head, <laughs> at least at least if you're a successful entrepreneur. No, I, I think that's great. I think it's very true. I think you have to trust your gut. I think mm-hmm. we've, we've heard that from many entrepreneurs. Dan, my other little takeaway that, that kind of was, was embedded in some of the discussion we had with Priya was that she realized that her role had to change. As the business evolved, her mm-hmm. role had to evolve as well. And I think entrepreneurs that get stuck in what they started to do at the outset might not be as successful if they never get out of that of being stuck in that role and i think priya exemplified uh that that ability to evolve as her business evolved priya chopra from one milk two sugars pr thanks so much for dropping by tonight thank you guys and thanks to mission mayette of fl as well thanks mission thank you and we're back in two Uh, weeks in uh three weeks actually because uh yeah in three weeks all right after thanksgiving excellent join us for today's entrepreneur three weeks from tonight The Exchange with Dave Kaufman is next. Have a good night.